Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of Future Food Weekly, our first in 2024. So happy new year, everyone, and happy new year to my co-host, Steve. Um, I'm Sonali Figueres, as always, um, from Green Queen, and Steve of Clear Current Capital joins me every week to talk about all things future food. How are you, Steve? I'm good. Happy new year. We're back. We're, we're ready to ready to talk. Um, but it, it, I'm, I'm good. It was, it was a good holiday period. I feel like whether or not um, people are fully working or taking a, a full break or somewhere in between, it just feels kind of nice sometimes to like have things slow down. At least it did for, for me a little bit for the last week. I got some family time, which was good. Um, but how are you? Did you get any chance to unwind oh, yeah. a little bit? Absolutely. I really feel like that week between or, or that week yeah, but from Christmas to New Year is one of the only weeks in the year where everything really slows down. Um, there are just yeah. nobody's sending emails. Nobody's engaging on social media. It really feels like there's nothing to worry about and you can happily just take a break. So, yeah, it's, just, and it's like worldwide, which is, which is, yeah. which is awesome. I mean, mostly it is, um, even though it is a very Western holiday, it does feel like everyone slows down and it's just, it, it is more comforting to feel like everyone is off because it feels like you're not, I don't know, I guess we're just all kind of workaholics and like taking off sometimes <laughs> feels like we shouldn't. Um, so it just was, it was just really nice. I, I feel like I got a really good break where I just really did not engage with anything news or content or media or anything no that's 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 awesome that's good to hear and and yeah and i mean it's it's funny because on our end like on the investment side like deals are getting done but it's kind of like one of those funny things where like unless there's an absolute need unless a company is about to go under because they're running out of cash on december 31st it's basically like if you haven't gotten a deal closed by i don't know call it like the week before christmas just say it's happening in January. <laughs> it's closing in January. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, is anyone really closing deals the last few days of December? I, I know of some, but again, I think it's out of out of absolute necessity and need where like if money's not in the door before December 31st, then there will not be a January 1st for that company. So those that, that's that's the bad situations and that's when it does get done. But People are not generally too thrilled <laughs> in that scenario. <laughs> Did those companies get get a Hail Mary? As far as I know, it seems like they did. I have to get some some confirmations on a couple of them, but uh, it seems like things are in good shape, which is which is good. That's good. So before we move on to the meat of the episode, the plant-based meat, obviously, what is the best <laughs> thing you ate? During best, oh man, best thing that I ate. I, you know what I'm going to go with is just, this is, there's, there's probably something else that I'm forgetting, but I'm going to go with um, my, my wife's family. So my mother-in-law, she makes this, the sweet potato casserole that my wife also makes. And I actually had it for my wife first, but it's a sweet potato casserole that you, for some reason is with dinner, but the, it really tastes like a dessert. It's just like brown sugar and and butter and all that stuff but it's usually she makes it with regular butter and i don't i don't need it she just happened to make it with 
all vegan ingredients. And obviously it tasted amazing because there's the from a, from a butter standpoint, there's a lot of good alternatives that you really can't tell the difference, but the whole family ate it. And when she said that it was vegan, it wasn't to surprise anyone, but they're just like, Oh, I never would have known. And so it tasted amazing. And then it was also just like a great thing to see uh, like that side of the family that really is not vegan at all. Like there's no focus on that whatsoever to just be like, this is great. I, I love this and I wouldn't have noticed. And it was amazing. So it was a, a double positive with that one, but that's, that's what I would say. What about you? Did you have anything that was just like amazing? Yeah, I'm going to be fair to each of the moms. So my mom does Eve <laughs> dinner. And then two days later on the 26th, which is a holiday here, it's Boxing Day, but it's the day we always celebrate my mother-in-law's Christmas dinner. So both moms cook the full Christmas meal. So we always get two Christmas meals. So we're super lucky. So my mom did a, she did do a turkey this year. Um, we had a lot of guests. And she wanted to do a turkey, which was fine. But she made me um, a Wellington, uh, like a vegan Wellington tart with chestnuts and pecans and mushrooms and leeks. And it was really good. So that's what I loved um, from the meal. And that was vegan. And then my mother-in-law also did a sweet potato dish that was really, really, really good. She, she added... Um, cardamom and ginger to sweet potato mash and it was just it was super delicious and everyone ate it even the the little kids and it, it disappeared so, that's amazing so I guess I guess the moral of the story is that all mother-in-laws should be making some type of I know. vegan <laughs> sweet potato dish I know. <laughs> I know. my mother-in-law mostly makes she makes a lot of sides she always has like a turkey and a ham but she makes a lot of sides and it's so funny because the sides are always I, I just have always felt this like most people actually like the sides better oh yeah of course you gotta load up on those sides <laughs> exactly but you know what was really good is all the meals I made after like my mom had a ton of leftovers so I made a lot of um, upside, like, like basically like I use the leftovers to make new, new dishes. Like one day I did this, um, I did this like stuffing shakshuka, which was really good where like, I, um, I made eggs for my, my son and my, and my, and my husband. And I put the eggs inside the stuffing and like baked it in the oven. It was yummy for them. Wow. Wow. Um, I mean, I that's love... more impressive than anything I do. I, I feel like I'm just like, I, I, if it's leftover, I just eat it. Or if it's like, like, for instance, we, for some reason, I won't get into the story because no one wants to listen to this, but there's a reason that for some reason we, we have a lot of jackfruit, canned jackfruit in our house. Again, story is unimportant, but I'm just trying to eat through what it. And I, canned don't to... ja you mean canned jackfruit, like the young jackfruit to make meat al alternative dishes? just well i mean that's one of the reasons we we got it initially but we got too much of it and it's just straight up plain jackfruit that's that's canned right so you open the can and then you can do whatever you want with it i don't know what i'm doing it sounds like you take your leftovers or foods and turn it into something great i literally just been like putting it on a pan and like 
then dousing it in barbecue sauce. And I'm like, okay, it's pulled pork. <laughs> yeah, but that's what you're supposed to do with young jackfruit. Just make sure it's not mature jackfruit, which is sweet and doesn't work as a meat alternative. <laughs> oh, amazing. So I'm doing it the right way. And I didn't even know. Yeah. Good. <laughs> the, the trick with jackfruit is to make sure that you get some of the moisture out. Otherwise, it yes. gets mushy. But if you that's really yeah, get I learned the water that. out, then it really can have a pulled pork texture. So the thing well, I have like seven always, more cans to go well, through. So <laughs> yeah, it works really well in the oven too, where you dry it out or the air fryer. Mm. Oh, air fryer! I'll, I'm going to try that. Yes, that's, that's the air fryer right? sucks out the moisture. Yeah. Well, welcome everyone to the the Green Queen Future Food Flash. Cooking Show. <laughs> clear, clear card. <laughs> I know. Should, should we be doing more cooking tips? I feel like maybe. Oh God, uh, you, not for me. Not are for you, me. Yeah, are you not? You have to be crazy. Why do I not know this about you? Are you not a big cook? I would. I would love to be. I. I. I want to be. I would try to be. But I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and I. They don't give me the time of day to do any of that, and. I'm like, I was born on put stuff in a microwave and if it takes longer than three minutes, then I'm, I'm not doing it. So I have a lot of catching up to do as, a, as an adult human being. <laughs> oh my God. Did, and, and I've told you before, we don't even have a microwave. I know. And that, that blows my mind. Like, that's why I was saying, like, I don't understand that. I would not be <laughs> alive today if I didn't have one growing up. So that's, and not, not like that, that kind of makes it seem like my mom didn't. I know. She did, I hope your mom's but not like, Sorry, but mom, she wasn't you know? <laughs> like making every meal every single day for my entire childhood through 18 years old. So when, when I started choosing things on my own, it was it was convenience and taste over anything else. Oh uh, my God. And, my my yeah. husband and I are both so spoiled. Like both of our moms cooked everything from scratch like we oh my god my mom was like no I will not buy you cookies I will make you cookies like it was just we both of us um when we met we realized like we both grew up you know sitting down at the dinner table with like a full meal like multiple dishes every night and my mother-in-law had three sons um, oh my god she yeah like we're really we're lucky and my son is lucky because both myself and my husband love to cook and he has two grandmothers who love to cook so he always gets amazing home-cooked food and in fact he really wants to he he wants to cook himself and so one of the that's, things that's great that, I was, that he got for christmas were cookbooks for little kids and that is why i, I love that that there is a open white space or a blue ocean, whatever you want to call it in cookbook, uh, cookbooks for kids that are climate friendly and plant-based. There you go. Very difficult gonna, to find. That's going to be, uh, let, let's, let's make it. That's going to be our new company. Let's do that right there. <laughs> I'm telling you, Steve, I've told you this before. There is an open, there's such an opportunity for people who want to eat in a climate friendly way and like providing, you know, providing them with options. I think people oh, definitely. want more help. They want, yeah, there's just nothing. So I was literally looking and then I asked Anae to do a piece on climate, on climate and vegan cookbooks for kids. 
But if you want cookbooks for really little kids, so when I was a kid, um, I had all these cookbooks from this French publisher called La Rousse, which is a very famous book publisher in France. And they do these amazing cookbooks for kids with like step-by-step -step, uh, pictures. So you can teach yourself how to cook. So that's how I learned how to bake when I was really, really young. And I was even making bread, you know, at six or seven. Wow. I and, feel like I need these cookbooks. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like for like me. <laughs> images and like, you know, like it's very step-by-step. -step. Very good. Okay, I'll send you up. But <laughs> it's really hard to find that for a kid in English that is only plant-based. I couldn't find exactly what I was looking for. So there you mm. go. All right. Well, let's call up like Miyoko or someone like that who's done cookbooks all yeah, over the place. She I has feel a like great vegan basics cookbooks and she has her cooking shows too and I mean there's definitely videos if you wanted to let your kid watch videos but it's nice to have your own book all right I like this I like this so should we should we dive into to what we're going to talk about this week yes of course okay well we'll get past all this chit chat about food and cooking into actual <laughs> I, important stuff. I love it, but at some point, no one wants to hear about how I cannot cook anymore. <laughs> yeah, or about my obsession with toddler plant-based cooking, which is probably like <laughs> audience of three. Anyhow, um, so we're going to do a bit of a different episode this, this week. Um, there is some news from the end of December, and it's been very quiet, folks. I mean, really, really quiet. Naturally, most people don't do big funding announcements or big product debuts in the last week of December. There are some launches for Veganuary, both on the, in the UK and a little bit of activity in the US. So if you want to look at that, we've got some good pieces rounding all that up. Um, and there's always news in Quick Bites with, with you know, new brands, et cetera but no really big moves um, from the industry. And so we're going to use today's episode to really dive into the most important thing at the beginning of the year, which is trend predictions. Um, I've been doing them yearly for, for many years now, over five years. Um, and I'm happy to say that most of the time I do get, <laughs> I do get over 50% right. This one was interesting though. So what I've done this year is I did a review of my last year's predictions to kind of grade me on how I did and then, and, and to kind of take stock, like what, especially since 2023 was kind of a weird year. And then tomorrow morning, um, or by the time you listen to this, this morning, um, we will have the 2024 predictions out, which is everything that Green Queen and myself think is going to happen in the industry. So for this episode, Steve and I are going to are gonna basically do two takeaways from 2023 each. So kind of like what we thought of the year. And then we're going to do two predictions each. Um, so we're not going to give everything away. So we really do recommend that you go in and check out the prediction articles. Um, but we did want to have a quick overview of, you know, what, what we think is cooking in the industry. So Steve, 2023 bit of a gloomy year I would say overall would you agree uh yeah I think that's 
an understatement <laughs> for sure yeah it was it was tough and i i think i mean let me ask you this when you went into 2023 did you know that it was going to be that bad cuz i didn't i well i didn't know anything for sure right i i'm i'm never smart enough to say that but i expected it to be really really bad because just from like I was thinking of it from an investor standpoint again. So like uh, not from news or anything like that, but just it, it was very clear at the beginning to mid of 2022 that the funding environment was completely changing for all of venture capital, not just our space uh, in, in all proteins or sustainable foods, but the funding environment was changing drastically and it was becoming a lot more restrictive and basically investors were getting scared and they were going back to fundamentals. And when that happens, you know that it's going to be super tough for the many companies that have recently gotten funded and maybe shouldn't have or maybe are, are not executing as efficiently as they should. So I went into it thinking, okay, 20, end of 2021, everything shifted. Companies generally tend to raise for... 12 to 24 months of runway. So let's call it 18 months. So mid 2023, there's going to be a ton of companies that need new capital or even earlier. So in my mind, from like an investor standpoint, I'm just like, deals are not going to get done. And a lot of companies are going to go under in end of 2022, early to mid 2023. And that's what we saw. Like, honestly, like, so like that's, I, I did kind of expect it just from like a pure finance standpoint. So I, I feel like I figured out that the year was going to be bad a little bit later. So not on January 1st, because I was trying to get back into the mindset that I was in when I wrote my 2023 predictions. And I don't think that all the macro stuff was crystal clear yet. And so while I thought there was going to be a slowdown, I didn't think it was going to be as abysmal as it ended up being. It was only like, towards Feb, March, where I realized, okay, this year is really gonna, it's gonna be bad. I had thought there would yeah. be a slowdown, but I, I didn't anticipate the macro stuff that made me realize, okay, investors are just, they're gonna, they're gonna go, they're gonna go kind of, they're gonna stop putting money on the table. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I expected it to the extent that it happened. Right. Cause like, there were a lot of things that went um, more extreme than I expected. Like I didn't expect, at least in, in, in the U.S., for, for the Fed to raise interest rates um, as aggressively as they did. Like I expected them to rise. They wanted to curb inflation. But like it was, I mean, after like more than a decade of almost zero interest rates, I, I just didn't expect it to be so aggressive. Well, and it looks like they, they've done a decent job, right? It looks like there's going to be like a soft landing, at least right now. Um, and they might start even lowering rates in 2024, which for anyone listening, higher interest rates just make it um, basically a, a, a tighter capital market overall. Uh, it makes it hard. It makes it more expensive to to raise money, to borrow money. Right. So for companies, it's just a, it's a tougher, tougher and, and also uh, it environment. Makes the, which is an alternative investment, a less exciting class because suddenly you can get some interest in the bank 
So yeah, I mean, if I could just invest in like mortgages at seven or eight percent, and or or even some like even like risk free bonds like treasury bonds at four or five percent, then why take the risk for something that's really risky and only might give me a a little bit more of a return? Um, So this is so like I didn't expect that had come into focus in January yet on January first. That really started to come into focus in February and March. And that's when I realized this is going to have a massive ripple effect on the entire funding space. Um, And nothing really came in to take over from the VC money. So it's not like a bunch of like public money that came in and was like, all right, well, we're going to stay focused on the food system. And, And so it did really feel like the sector was a little bit abandoned. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, so, so, so that's, so yeah, because for alt protein, there was like a double whammy there because it's like, um, not only just from a, a VC standpoint, um, is there less money being put to work in, in companies and focusing more on like fundamentals. And so it's harder to raise, but then for alt protein specifically, a lot of investors that back these companies previously were tourist investors they were ones that don't care about the space they don't really know the space and they're not dedicated to it they're more focused on traditional tech and vc backed industries so whenever when everything got spooked not only did the environment get tougher for food companies just from that standpoint but then a lot of the money that that was there was completely taken away and going back to what they think is safer for vc so the the tech and b2b SaaS and all that stuff exactly um, absolutely. So it was, it was a strange environment and, um, it, it, you know, obviously I'm sure both you and I had a lot of conversations with founders who were really struggling and, and, you know, I just kept hearing about how difficult fundraising was and it certainly felt like there weren't going to be major, uh, you know, really, really the big rounds that we had seen. And, and I mean, that's the second problem is that 2021 was just so hyped for the sector. And, you know, everybody was riding high. There was there was extra money everywhere. Um, everyone was getting a deal. And so it, it just felt like a really sharp fall. Definitely. But I mean, that does kind of lead me to one of the points when I think about 2023, like year in review, like a thing that stands out to me is just like good deals were still getting done. So like, despite a lot of companies going under, some went under publicly, some quietly shut down in the background. Like I can tell you firsthand, the the companies that were legitimately tackling a problem in a very, very creative way, a way that made sense from a business standpoint, it could generate uh, create a, a large impact and large returns in the future. They were hyper competitive deals and they were getting done. They were still raising large dollar amounts, maybe not as large, and they were still getting, they were getting decent valuations for the companies. So not diluting founders too much, not as high as they used to be, but they were getting done. So I, I think that's something that I, I really still want to call out for 2023 is like yeah a lot of companies went under maybe some that shouldn't have gone under did and that's very unfortunate but um the funding environment is not down to zero and good good deals for food and climate are still are definitely still happening and they did happen in 2023 absolutely 
And that's a good reminder to all, right? Like if you have good fundamentals and you're solving a real problem and you're making inroads, there is money for you. Yeah, and that's how it should be too, right? Like uh, it was it was too overhyped. It was crazy. Like companies right. that were like, okay, or maybe they would be okay. They were getting treated like they were like the next Google. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. Do you feel like you've changed how you view things as an investor? I do. I mean, to an extent. So I think like when when it was hyped up, there like because like my firm, we're we're not always the biggest check in around. We're not always leading the round. Sometimes we have to just decide: are we accepting these terms that are being put out there, or are we not? Um, I think what's changed for me is like I have this regardless of the the size of our check. Like now in this environment, I have no hesitancy around being very clear on like what we need from like an entry valuation standpoint and what type of milestones we're looking for. Um, so like, I think investors can be a little bit more confident with saying what they, they need to make a deal work. And it doesn't mean that the company has to jump through hoops to meet that. It just means, does it match up with the investor's expectations? Yes or no. If yes, deal happens, investment happens. If no, then it just doesn't. Um, but I mean, but it, the only thing I'll say is like we were still investing even when it was it was the the hype cycle of pre twenty twenty two. But there were a lot of times where we in our in our investment memos we'd say not loving these valuations <laughs> or like we we score everything and the scores would be not great on deal terms but positive on the other aspects. So we're seeing things even out a little bit on the deal term side. Interesting. Um, so what are your, what's your biggest takeaway from 2023? Biggest takeaway. If, if I had to think of out. something, it's, I would say for me, it's an acceptance that a shift to sustainable food is not guaranteed. And that could be plant-based cultivated fermentation, regenerative, whatever, whatever, whatever area within the food system you want to look at. Um, it's just very clear that macroeconomic environments matter, political, socioeconomic environments matter. And if we don't approach shifting the food system in a way that makes sense, then it's not just a guarantee that because the planet is on fire and we're, we're heading in that direction that everyone's just going to change. So it, it really just felt like both on the investment side and also the consumer side with with consumption of, of all protein products uh, being down basically across, not across the board, but predominantly down is just, okay, this is not a guarantee. We need to focus on what will move the needle. And I, I feel like everyone's kind of on the same page with that. So there is a future. There's a lot of opportunity and a lot of impact to be had, but it's not guaranteed. That's how it feels to me. That's what about you? Um, I think for me, looking back, it felt that a lot of 2023 was a bit of a holding pattern. It felt like whenever I was speaking to people, a lot of big moves weren't being made and there wasn't as much, I don't know, product innovation. And it was a lot of just kind of let's wait and see. Every time I would have a conversation with someone, it just felt like everyone was thinking, you know, how's this going to 
play out, you know, and, and where are the chips going to fall and, you know, who's going to survive and who's not. So it just, it, it just felt very much like wait and see mode. Um, so as a result, it was in a way kind of less eventful than, than usual. Um, that feels right. That does feel you know, right to me as well. That's yeah. not that things didn't happen. I mean, you know, there were some big wins on the cultivated meat regulatory side of things. And uh, some some brands saw some really interesting success. There, there was a lot of activity out of Europe. Um, Europe had, a, I would say, a, the sector, the, the protein diversification sector in Europe had a bigger year than the U.S. one. But in in the U.S. and 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 to some extent in Asia, it, it just felt a lot like everyone was just kind of, you know, nobody wanted to make a big move. Um, so it's it's I'm wondering if in 2024 there's there's just going to be more action, right? Because we can't just kind of stay in the same place forever. As for what you said about, it's really interesting to hear you say that you feel like the future of food and sustainable food is not guaranteed. Um, I guess my takeaway was that having been at COP where it really did feel like for the first time ever food was on the, the menu um, in a big way, um, I feel like that was a really big step forward. But I don't, but now it's up to us to use that step forward and really do something with it. It really did feel it caught, like there were, there was all this momentum behind putting food at the top of the climate agenda. Um, but I don't know if that maybe was more COP specific and it wasn't just mainstream enough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's still positive either way, because that's like leaders from nations across the world. So um yeah just all the definitely, yeah. and the food system people that were working on that i mean that's good that's good i mean we need the action to be taken right it's it's, it's i really don't see it as guaranteed and uh it, it it's a better chance that this shift happens uh than not if if leaders of different nations uh are, are taking it seriously so that's 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 a really big positive, I think, to to round out the the year. All right. So predictions. Give me two predictions for the space for the next year. Okay. Here we go. So these these are predictions from an an early stage investor, me, who just as a reminder for everyone, in venture capital, investors are wrong more than they're right. So these predictions. Take them or leave them. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give, I'll, I'll give two. So one is that I think that the lines will blur between alternative proteins and other verticals in the food and climate space. So circular economies, food waste reduction, sustainable packaging, like upcycling or side stream valorization. I think in, in the past, we've kind of siloed all protein away from those other areas and some companies sometimes incorporate other other components, but I've already been seeing companies and, and deals come across the table that are combining a lot of this where it's fitting into what we would say is alt protein, but another value proposition is it's leveraging a waste side stream as the inputs 
or it's also somehow focusing on circular economies post-production or something of that nature. Um, and I think it's, so I think that's what we're going to see a lot more. So not alt protein and then other, it's going to be alt protein with those things. And I think that is also better from a business standpoint and an overall just environment standpoint. So that's, that's one. And then the other one that I'll, I'll, I'll call out that I have is I think that for the synthetic biology space in sustainable foods, so think precision and biomass fermentation or gas fermentation and then cultivated meat or cell ag in general. So for that space, there's been a lot of focus on new infrastructure, building new infrastructure. We need 10 billion liters of capacity and blah, blah, blah. It's going to cost so much. And that is not wrong. But what I think we're going to see is some people are going to continue to work on the new capacity side and we need that. But I think we're going to see more people working on how do we better leverage the existing capacity? How do we make fermentation tanks more efficient, higher titers, better dry yields, faster fermentation times, lower down times um, from a production standpoint? I think software and hardware uh, companies that are going to focus on that, that could be enablers for the space is something that we will see a lot of companies pop up in those areas because we can't just only focus on building out new. We have to also think about how do we maximize what we currently have? Cause that's a huge, uh, a huge lever that we could pull. So, yeah. So I think those are my two predictions. Lines will blur between all protein and other verticals in the climate space. And then we'll focus on maximizing current infrastructure for Symbio. So everyone, Steve and I did not review our predictions before we decided to do this episode. So it's really interesting because one of my predictions, and to be clear, I make a bunch of predictions at the beginning of every year. So any of you listening can click the article and see all my predictions. And there are, there are a lot because um, I really try and look at everything in terms of what trends I think are going to be important for brands to look at and where I think the industry should be focused on. Um, but it's interesting because Steve and I have one trend that is in common. I worded it a little bit differently, um, but essentially I also feel that it's really time for the alternative protein space. And I, and I do want to start saying protein diversification I think alternative protein just does us no favors, but essentially the smart protein space, the way I worded it was that it needs to and should and will wedge itself into the sustainable food space. And so similarly to what Steve just said, I think that we're going to see that being on our own island, kind of in our own bubble, just hasn't done us any favors. And we need to make friends with the broader food and climate community. And we need al alternative proteins, um, smart proteins, whatever you want to call them, to really be considered one of the solutions for pushing our food systems ahead and, and adapting and mitigating in the face of climate change, rather than kind of saying, here's the silver bullet and there's just one thing. And that really builds on my one of my second predictions where I go through all major food trends that I think are going to affect our space as well. Um, I think that because we've been so siloed 
a lot of brands and founders and, and teams in the space have not been looking at the wider food uh, sector and looking, and again, you know, and this is one of my my kind of gripes um, in the sector is there just hasn't been enough of a focus on consumers. And I really think and hope that 2024 is the year that's gonna change because one of the things about getting your business fundamental right is you need to really understand who your consumer is, who's your customer, what do they want and are you meeting their needs, right? And that means paying attention to the wider industry food trends and seeing how your product plays into those trends. So whether it's kind of looking at how Gen Z is obsessed with snack snacking or helping climate conscious parents find good alternatives at the grocery store um, or really focusing on uh, functional foods, which are really having a moment and better gut health. I think it's time for especially plant-based product designers in the space to really look at what's going on beyond the industry and beyond just this idea that just having a mission will sell your product. I think that kind of thinking, it needs to go. And it really needs to be about meeting the customer where they are and thinking more like a traditional food company. So I think as, as a result of that, I think we are gonna see more talent um, like food industry talent and marketing and branding talent go into the space, which is a good thing because I think it's been sorely missing. I I love that idea and and I I, I fully fully agree. I, I like that prediction that there'll be focus on just traditional approaches to selling food and understanding your customer and. And there's always a report I read every year, or I think they come out every quarter, but there's another investment firm there. They play a little later stage than us. Uh, and it's called Coefficient Capital. They do a survey yeah. with, I forget who their partner is, but they always put out a consumer report. On, it's on more than just food. It's on uh, basically consumer products overall. But I always read it because like, it's important to understand where consumers are getting their information at and break down by different demographics and and what they want, what they say they want, how they actually buy. And it's, it's a good report. So I suggest everyone check that out, but I think that's a good prediction for sure. I mean, I think we're on the same page, right? I mean, nothing is guaranteed. We need to do better. Um, and companies need to look at fundamentals, which includes understanding their customer. So more predictions on the website, click to the article to see more. We'll be back next week with all things future food news. Um, thanks for listening. Um, we'll try to keep our cooking tips to a minimum next time. Hope everyone <laughs> has a cracking 2024 and see you next time. See you next time.